Blithe disdain gets my goat in a hurry. Nothing makes me more righteous than fury. And I'm swiftly inclined to speak bluntly my mind when I'm mad and my vision is blurry. I'm Heidi Marks Morris, and I started teaching high school in 1995. Despite nominal retirement in 2015, I've been in the classroom ever since. I'm writing a book about what I've learned in my career because I want to help others experience the connections and joy that I have found in successful teaching. It's called Teaching Matters, and you can sign up for news of it at my website, MarksTeachingMatters.com. Quadmester 3 ended two weeks ago, and as the grading period drew to a close and many teachers were all in a flurry to get late work graded and computed and grades entered, I was very smugly proud of my efforts to impose deadlines on my students. Thanks to continual efforts through the entire quadmester, my students did not have late work to turn in. They had already completed the assignments that they knew they could submit. And they had already earned their passing grades. And we took the finals and I graded them and my grades were done. So when the online classroom program crashed on grading day and students were unable to submit late work and teachers couldn't figure out how to calculate grades, I was so proud of what I had achieved in my own little microcosmic world of reality with deadlines and expectations and, I hope, achievement and success. And that blithe happiness continued until Sunday night when I received an email from a student with a mountain of late work. No explanation, no apology, just, sorry, I didn't get this in sooner here. Now, that's frustrating enough. But what made me even more frustrated was the fact that this was quadmester three, the third quadmester in which I had had this same student in my class. And quadmester one, we went through this dance. I delivered a lecture, I explained expectations, I thought we had come to an understanding, we went into quadmester two. And the student did better, earned a passing grade at least by the end of the quadmester, but then, oh, sorry, now here's all the late work I want to turn in because it's not that I want to pass, I want an A. I was so proud when I turned in my grades for quadmester three that this student had earned a B without doing the late work dance and my grades were done and then nope here we go third time same dance no lesson learned i want an a punch it in now here's my late work i had steam coming out my ears and i sat down and i wrote 
a journal entry about what I was feeling and why. Let me share that with you. Monday, April 12th. I am angry. Frustrated or resentful may come closer, but my heart is certainly not flowing with brotherly kindness and charity. Why? Because for the third term in a row, again, without explanation or apology, a student who always presumes that expectations apply to others, he is exempt, has turned in piles of late work after the final, not to pass, but to change a B to an A. And I will have to nod and smile and do it when I want at least to give the child a piece of my mind, and better yet, a mountain of unsolicited advice at least as large as the mountain of late work, and I expect that he'll accept my truth as at least part of his reality, but I can't do that, can I? Oh, I can, but it would serve no purpose other than to vent my own steam, and that is clearly not a purpose worthy of achieving at the expense of brutal honesty with a student. My discomfort is precluded from being part of his reality. It's all about him. I have a much easier time swallowing that sometimes bitter pill when the kid in question is any of these polite, grateful, sincere, ingenuous, apologetic, resolved to improve. But after three iterations of this same dance, I see evidence for none of those traits. And I think that is wrong. Any of those, but especially gratitude, would grease the skids of this transaction. I'm feeling rough, shoddily overridden, and that makes me angry. What would I say in my hypothetical mountain of unsolicited advice? Something like, I'm angry. I feel abused and belittled by your choice to treat me as a vending machine, a grade dispenser where you can punch in your currency at your whim and convenience. I expect students to treat me with a modicum of consideration and respect, and I am presented with, for the third consecutive time, after the fact submissions, to alter the record into saying, you're an outstanding student. In my experience, you are highly intelligent and capable and enabled. Diligent, consistent, engaged, no. You want the grade, but you don't want to earn it in any of the ways I've offered and accepted from everyone else. My modicum of empathy for you has been exhausted in our previous encounters, and you have done nothing to replenish that empathy by offering any of those traits I mentioned before, particularly not gratitude. 
Is it wrong to make that a lesson? I think someone, me for example, needs to teach you, perhaps with a two by four or at least a tirade. And in this hypothetical mountain of undispensed advice, what would I see as the outcome of my wisdom so effectively delivered? A change in future scholastic behavior, yes. But more importantly, a change in human interaction. I want to be treated with empathy, with some gratitude when I have made efforts for another. A few kind words go a long way toward helping us all get along with each other. But of course, I can't make any of those things happen. They must spring from the heart unsolicited to be real. And so it falls to me to smile and nod and strive to let actual forgiveness sprout in my heart but I'm really wrestling with the temptation of sending an email containing that mountain of unsolicited advice. That was Monday night. Tuesday, I still did not trust myself to write the email to the kid. Wednesday, his mother, a colleague of mine, came in to chat with me in response to my invitation to both of them to do so. This woman has a great deal of experience in dealing with, shall we say, scholastically recalcitrant students. And she is quite a great mediator. She was able to present the other side of this situation and biting my tongue and squelching my rage, I listened. And then on Wednesday, after that meeting, I did write an email to the student in question. And then today, I have written this second journal entry with my kernels of wisdom hard one through my anger, and I hope longer remembered. Here's what I wrote. I did write an email to that student, not on Monday or Tuesday, but Wednesday, after I'd had a conference with his mother. And my email was one of sincere, I hope, congratulations, and apology. What changed? First, I had had time to simmer down. As real as my anger was, and as glad as I am that I documented it in all its ugliness, anger is never the place where solutions come from. It is the place from which hurt, sometimes irremediable hurt, is inflicted. At least I knew that much before I even talked to the mother.
but finding space in my world to hear the other side, which in essence boils down to, I did my very best all quarter and it's still not good enough for this woman, was an experience for which I'm grateful, even through my lingering resentment. Fact, this student finished first quadmester with a grade far below passing. Many, many, many missing assignments, missing tests, missing learning opportunities, lack of attendance, and that was bad. We had a conversation. Second fact, second quadmester, I had this same student in another class and he passed, but then did all of the necessary hoop jumping post grade deadline to raise that grade to an A. Fact, third quadmester, the grading period I had just finished with so much smugness that I had done it right and wouldn't have to go back and redo grades, the kid had a B, an 82%, and had done nothing during the entire quadmester in violation of my expectations of here's when deadlines happen, here's when you do the tests, and this was the kid's point, never had I noticed. Never had I mentioned it in praise to this student. And so at the end of the quarter, with a graduation coach mother telling him to relax, he has two weeks to get everything in, when the grade machine froze up on that last day, he relaxed and didn't turn his work in until Sunday, days after the quarter had ended. And for this, I was furious. I had blood in my eyes and I was willing, eager, to deliver a wholly justified tirade on my having been mistreated by this kid. As I explained to my husband that night, I was right, but nowhere near as right as the kid was in his world and from his perspective. It's a tough thing, humility, but necessary. Oh, so necessary. So I sent an email and I graded and entered the late work and I changed the course grade to an A. And the next time I crossed paths with this student, I greeted him warmly, only to be rebuffed, which I suppose I expected. I can let that go. I have lots more experience to draw from with which to balance my ire with compassion, to temper my indignation with humility, and to move forward. 
sharing that is embarrassing, but true. One of the lessons I was trying to teach my student teacher this week was the power of honesty. Tell it like it is. There are few things more powerful than the truth. I knew it was wrong to be angry. I know it's my job to serve my students. I embrace the opportunity to learn and to grow as a human. But the truth is also, I was fired up when I got that late work after the quarter had ended with no explanation, with no apology, with no acknowledgement of the huge imposition that was on my worldview, at least I had the wisdom to bite my tongue until I could see things more clearly. Anger perhaps is inevitable for a flawed human like myself. Fortunately, wisdom does come from experience and patience can make all the difference in finding some compassion, even for the people who get our goat.